0: Broadcasting live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida, here
1: is your host, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM.
0: This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. We are streaming to you live from Orlando, Florida. You are listening to Safety FM, changing safety cultures one broadcast and one podcast at a time. This is Jay Allen. I hope all is well inside of your world. Things are going fantastic here at the Safety FM studios. We are just kind of going here chugging right along in regards of getting things moving, getting things going staying busy, 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 but I'm sure that's not something you want to listen to right now at this particular moment. How are things are going on your end of the world? Well, that's fantastic. Well, today's episode is going to be a different one. It's going to be out of the normal realm of what we do. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Angie Braun, who normally goes by Angie B. Now, Angie B is the founder of Angie B Coaching. She has dedicated her career to empowering leaders to excel in diverse cultures and environments. She assists people in becoming the leaders that they are meant to be. Angie's passionate about coaching leaders through their change management, strategic communication, self-promotion, and personal inspiration. Now, today's episode is going to be different, as I already referenced, in regards of what we normally do, because it's not really going to solely be alone talking about safety, we're going to be talking about change management and how it impacts organizations. And of course we always tie everything back into safety as much as possible. but I want you to take a listen here in regards of what Angie brings to the table and how she does the approach. Now she's interacted with multiple company, very big fortune 500 companies, anywhere from Tesla to Solar City, Starbucks, Best Buy. She has a a lot of very good information, so pay close attention to what she has to say. And enjoy the episode here today with Angie B. on Safety FM. You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. Just just as it is. So the funny part was that I was actually going around on on LinkedIn as I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and other social media standpoints. And I noticed that you all of a sudden had decided to jump into consulting and coaching. And I was like, you have been involved with these main and major organizations. And why did you decide to go into this little consulting world of ours?
1: Yeah, when I first uh, made the jump and started my coaching certification a few months ago, it was really out of desire uh, initially to help women. As a female leader i've o- always been a male dominant organizations and i have a natural passion to help other female leaders just really amplify their voice and earn their seat at the table but what i have come to realize over the last i, I would say really six months um, is the need for leadership coaching and development is much greater and goes beyond just women um, what i found is that we've got a a tremendous number of leaders. And this is, this is where my passion lies. We have a tremendous number of leaders working in organizations that aren't harnessing their full potential. And we're in an environment right now where we're ever changing and to keep up with market demands and consumer trends and employee differences. Right. And what we're not doing as large organizations aren't aren't taking their leaders along with them in the journey ensuring that they've got the leadership skill sets to adapt and as leaders we're in this constant change of chasing the next business need we're not slowing down enough to say is my leadership style relevant during this time and so throughout my journey i've been really for- i felt really fortunate to work for some incredible organizations that are dynamic and um, been through a lot of change on their own journey, um, as markets have shifted, you know, Best Buy during the time when Amazon and Netflix um, started to eat into a lot of a lot of their business, um, and then obviously with with Under Armour and now with Tesla. So I feel really equipped to be able to understand based on my past experience and help leaders on a broader scale hone those leadership skills and challenge them to stretch themselves to grow as leaders and to slow down and to think about uh, their own leadership style and are they able to adapt and are they able to make the shift that's needed uh, to stay relevant.
0: Now, do you think that that's the issue with most people inside of an organization? They don't understand how the company's changing, at least from, let's say, for instance, let's go into the store level, because you did mention Best Buy and you do. You do have district sales manager experience with that particular organization. Do you think that some of the staff that was inside of the, quote unquote, store locations had difficulty understanding what people were doing from a district level and how those things needed to change for them to, we'll say, quote unquote, level up? Yeah, 100%,
1: Jay leaders in general are not taught in most cases how to work themselves through change management let alone when their own emotions are all over the board how to take a team through it i've been fortunate because i've been through 15 company restructures that in the last few that i've had with tesla as an organization to be equipped with the skills to be able to say okay this is how i work myself through it so as a leader I can work, I can help get my team through it because we're on stage at all times, whether we want to be or not in a leadership role. We have people that are looking at us and they are, they are saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to know how to respond to this change. That's in the organization by watching my direct manager or watching the leadership around me and how they are responding to that change. And a lot of times I see leaders that are stuck for themselves in this change and can't figure out how to get them work themselves through it. They're worried about their own job security. They're worried about, you know, how they're going to get their own emotions through it and not as not, not as much concerned or have the skills to be able to help the hundreds of people that they might be leading. And I see that a lot in organizations and the teams that crumble underneath the change are the ones who um, are struggling to work themselves through it. Profits lost during that time, the customer experience is lost during that time. And quite often that's when you see a lot of turnover on, on the employee level, because, you know, we go through change fatigue, right? There becomes a point when you go, I I don't know how to accept this. I don't want to accept it. And therefore I'm going to exit the organization. And we see a lot of great people leave during these times because they're not being led through that change.
0: So as you run into this problem inside of organizations, and as you are aware, the particular niche that we kind of address is going to be the safety people. And I, and I can say this from the Best Buy standpoint, being involved with Best Buy many, many, many moons ago. When you look at the loss prevention people slash safety people that are inside of a Best Buy, do you feel that they actually struggle in regards of understanding some of those changes? Cause you kind of have a, a kind of a couple interesting scenarios here because you have one no, of one of the actual best companies in the world known for safety in regards of Tesla. And then you have a organization such as the best Buys of the world where they're known for their customer service and exactly known for their store locations. You, so you can be, you have the opportunity of comparing both having the best organization in the world in regards of safety are one of the best organizations better saying in the world and then dealing with Best Buy, which I'm not saying good, bad or indifferent, but do you think that those people struggle in that position when you see those change management managements going into place?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I actually led um, the loss prevention team for some time at Best Buy um, during a a restructure. And I will tell you that I don't, Discipline doesn't matter in terms of when I say discipline in this context, it's whether it's sales, loss prevention, merchandising, inventory, et cetera. When a change happens, regardless of which discipline within that organization or business group you're a part of, everybody, everybody has concern. And you're not thinking clearly because, you know, if if you look at the Kubler-Ross uh, change curve, for example, right? So Kugler-Ross did a really good job of highlighting what are the different stages <clears throat> of of emotion that people go through when dealing with change. And that change can be on the, on the business front or professional front. It could be things like a restructure, reorganization, it could be a change in leadership, um, a, a change in um, direction from the company. It could also be personal, it could be divorce, it could be a relocation, it could be a loss of a loved one. What, ha- what Kubler-Ross outlines is in stage one and stage two, you're going through these, these emotions of blaming the organization or you're blaming yourself, right? It's, it's I can't believe the company just laid me off or I, I can't believe the company is taking me through this change right now. And there's a level of discomfort there. Blaming yourself, it sounds like I can't believe that I didn't show up for work on time. I could have, you know, if I would have come in to work early and left work late, maybe they wouldn't have laid me off, right? But it also feels like you're walking through, um, and not thinking clearly. You're walking through a fog, right? So you've got, you know, ten different tabs open in your mind, and you're not thinking clearly. So from a safety perspective, um, ac- across the board, I would tell you that if you're not thinking clearly, and you're not able to keep your emotions in check. Yet there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, when that happens for someone not able to clearly uh, identify when there's a safety concern.
0: Okay. Now, let let me ask you this. Being as you've been able to do it from an operator standpoint and being inside of the organization itself, and now you're going to go in and start helping these organizations really understand how to change, we'll say, the leadership culture and move forward as an organization, what exactly will you bring bringing to the table and how do you present this to them?
1: I think, um, a couple of things. One is my experience with large marquee organizations and not just the brands, but the actual work experience that's been applied. So within Best Buy, for example, my time, the last six years was spent opening and developing the Best Buy mobile locations. So a new business entity for Best Buy, mall-based retail, which was new for a big box retailer to get into. And it was specifically designed to cater to the female because in a big box retail environment, the female doesn't typically go in because they get lost. They're ignored. uh, They don't like it. So this was part of Best Buy's way to start to capture the female uh, customer. So within a big, large organization, I have a lot of experience in growing businesses from there. Under Armour was the same thing. When I started with them, uh, it was to start and to scale their retail environment. So if you go into an Under Armour outlet store or a brand store now, that was I started that for my two years with them. With, because, because of those uh, changes or those uh, new business entities brought in my ability to be able to um, lead and to take teams through change management is pretty exceptional uh, because the experience that I have in, in doing so. When you look at the customer engagement, each one of the brands and the experience and that I have to offer is uh, has always been really customer centric and driving the employee engagement Because when you drive the the employee engagement, you're really, you're driving your profits and you're driving your customer experience, right? Um, And then from a leadership perspective, I've spent the last uh, 15 years leading leaders um, in different industries, leaders that have employees reporting directly to them in a location like a Best Buy or leaders uh, leading teams of in the hundreds, well into the hundreds um, remotely, and those skill sets are different. So I have a really diverse uh, portfolio of experience and backgrounds, which has equipped me to be able to help leaders hone those leadership skills, but also my own personal style, Jay, is I'm very direct, right? So I think part of having a really good business coach is having somebody that, uh, or a good professional development coach, excuse me, is having somebody that's not only gonna help you hone your leadership skills, but will challenge you outside of your comfort zone and push you to reach your maximum potential. And, you know, I spoke about this actually uh, today on LinkedIn. In today's world, the way that, unless you work in a structured office environment, you may see your direct supervisor maybe once a month and quite frankly, it might be, you know, once a quarter now with technology in person. So you're getting that direct feedback and coaching from them with not the same level of frequency that leaders used to get it. And so it leaves you learning from your peers. If you're fortunate enough to have someone that you trust and will give you direct feedback or from your employees, which there's always that balance there of employee and manager relationships. So you're never really truly stretched outside of your comfort zone. And there, that's why I see such a big demand or need for leaders to have a professional coach now because the landscape and the environment has changed. Organizations are constantly changing and leaders are not slowing down like i said earlier leaders are not slowing down to say okay what do i need to improve in my leadership style to stay relevant and i've seen this often i've seen leaders jump from organization to organization because of change that's happened and they bring that same leadership style to each organization that they go to but it's it's not relevant anymore and what they learn is that instead of it's not the organization or the employees within the organization that becomes the problem, it's you as a leader because you are not doing anything to change and adapt to the, to the employee, to the new market, to the way that the consumer is driving trends now.
0: So when it comes to driving trends in particular, do you believe that the trends are actually driving the market themselves? And this is why we're having these issues with what we'll say, quote unquote, upper management inside, let's say, a store location or inside of a of a company location because of the true un, of, I guess, really not understanding what's going on. And I know that you just said that, you know, that some of them jump from location to location or company to company. Is this a common trend that you're seeing across the board or is it within a particular age demographic of the workforce?
1: a really uh, good question I've, I see it typically across the board and because again we go into this blame of it's the company's fault that I'm not successful as a leader and therefore I'm going to change my company and they take that same leadership style to a new company and they're there for 12 18 months and they leave again for the same reason And I I hear the same excuse and I've seen this applied across different industries and different um, age groups of leaders to answer your first question about whether trends are, are, are the one is what's driving this. I think it's two things. I think it's consumer trends and I think it's employees. There is a difference between when I was in a store, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, running a team of 300 employees and what a general manager in a, in a box is, is managing right now from an employee perspective. There's a difference in employees and there's a difference in the consumer and how they are uh, wanting to connect within the store environment specifically. So I think employee and I think uh, consumer trends are what's driving the change.
0: Now, when you go into an organization and you're helping them from a coach perspective, are you interacting with the people at the C-level suite or are we talking about people out in the field or is it a combination of both?
1: It's a combination of both.
0: And when you go through this, are you doing, I guess, like site inspections on what you're seeing that they're doing good, bad or indifferent, or is this kind of you jumping in, looking at books and then going through and then doing inspections or how does the process work?
1: It really depends on what the organization needs. The first step is talking to the leadership team, whether that's the C-level execs or the field, and understanding from their perspective where the breakdown is. And then going in and spending time with the employees and understanding from the employee perspective what the breakdown is. So if you imagine a round table type style of of meeting where it's an opportunity for the employees to say, "Here's what I'm not gaining from my work experience here, or here's what I'm not gaining from my leadership, and then working with the leadership to create a plan around how they improve those skills. So that's one way. The other way is I've got a a catalog or a library of workshops that I've built around specific topics. Um, So if there's an organization that needs, for example, um, their productivity level on their, for their remote employees is low. Then I've got a workshop built around helping those employees um, maximize their productivity levels to drive results in the customer experience. So it's really tailored to what the organization needs. So whether it's that pre-scripted workshop or it's going in and working with the leadership team and the employees one to understand, I can look at the books, but at the end of the day, I've been around enough, Jay, that I if I get in and I can interact with the employees and get a, interact with the leadership team, I have the ability to be able to identify at least here's some things that we can start to work on. And as I start to dig in a little bit more, I'll have the opportunity to understand, um, you know, a long term plan for that for that team.
0: And we'll be back with Angie B right after this here on Safety FM. We can all run into issues, some issues we will discuss with friends and maybe family, but some items are so personal that we don't want to discuss with anyone and we just want to handle them ourselves. What issues am I talking about? I am talking about issues with credit. Imagine being able to work on your credit report from the comfort of your own home. No weird salesperson telling you to dispute everything. Just straightforward, no nonsense on what to do, step by step to work on your credit report. This is not just a credit education service, but it's also a community of other like-minded individuals having the same struggles. For more information, go to issueswithcredit.com. The Issues with Credit community will be with you every step of the way. Issueswithcredit.com, a 13th hour solution venture. And we're back with Angie B. here on Safety FM. Well, let me ask you a question then. So when you go into an organization and let's say you're doing the roundtable approach where you have the employees, does that include the leadership of the organization in there or the leadership of, let's say, for instance, of where you're at locally? I've done it both ways. And you do it both ways? Because the only reason I ask is because when I can tell you from a safety consultant standpoint, when we do interactions, if we have the leadership that's like the local leadership inside of the general meeting where the staff would be located... They're very very shy normally at least in my experience of saying anything or they will agree with whatever the leader says automatically because the leader is in there. So that's why I wanted to, that's why I wanted to ask that one because I know that you know you're doing something a little bit different than what I'm doing but I just wanted to make sure that I had an understanding on how it actually works. Now the fun part is when you have somebody from an organization call to you who's the person that's normally called? how do they how do they figure out that there is a issue? inside of the organization that needs to be corrected.
1: could be high turnover at the employee level, lack of performance financially or it could be lack of customer experience. most organizations measure all three of those um, constituents. So it's really a matter of if there's a breakdown that they can't determine what the issue is in one of those three.
0: Well it's an interesting market that you're in because you're also saying at the same time that you have people that don't realize that they're part of the problem. And that they'll jump from an organization to another. So it has to be kind of one of those difficult phone calls at the point, at the portion that you're here, they're actually calling you. And you also said that you take the direct approach. So I sometimes call our industry, not consulting, but insulting. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but that's how sometimes some of the people actually take it. And so how does it, how is that first approach? Because sometimes when you have to point out the bad things that have occurred inside of an organization, it's not that you're going in there and saying, Hey, you did terrible. Maybe you just didn't understand it. But you went down a path and you worked on this for four months, five months, six months, meaning from an organizational standpoint. And all of a sudden you're telling them, hey, this is not going to work. How does that first conversation go? Yeah.
1: If I'm saying, hey, this isn't going to work to the leader or to the group of leaders within the organization.
0: Let's go with the worst case scenario. Let's say leaders inside of the organization.
1: Yeah. So I believe that if you are failing, no, nobody comes to work every day to fail. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And so if you, if you are failing as a leader, you typically know it in most cases or you have a hunch that you are, but you jump, like I mentioned earlier, from organization to organization, hoping that you're not the issue, right? So the first step for me is really getting to know and understand the background of that leadership team or that specific leader, understanding their background, where they came from, what's important to them as a leader and seeing how that aligns with their team. That's really important because I can tell you, I am, if you, I can tell you this is who I am and what I value as a leader. But in reality, if it doesn't align with what my direct reports say, that's my reality is their perception of me as a leader, right? And so I think having that initial conversation and understanding their, like I said, their motivation, where they came from, their background, what values that they have, I think really my, my approach with them is really truly getting to know and understand them because that helps open the door for me to be able to, once I've met with the team and once I've had some time to be able to spend understanding the breakdown within that team, that opens me up to be able to go to that specific leader or group of leaders and say, here's what I'm finding is the issue. You said in our initial conversation that this is a trait that you value, but your team isn't living that, or they don't see that to be true of you as a leader. So how do we bridge the gap together? I think that's, that's the first and most important approach is I'm here to help and to support you and coach you and guide you. I'm not here to, I'm not here to, fluff words and to tell you what you want to hear i'm i'm here to help you improve your skills as a leader and help you get results and sometimes that doesn't work for everybody right not everybody wants that kind of direct approach and and feedback and that and that's okay they're going to get it anyways because at the end of the day what's important is that they're challenged and pushed to maximize their potential and outside of their comfort zone that's what's important to me that's what i value as a professional coach
0: Well, that's what I look at, too. I mean, they're actually bringing you in because they wanting you to define what might be some of the potential areas that they are having issues in. So that's what the value that you're bringing in with your experience, of course. Now, you did mention something in particular about defining personal value. Now, when somebody turns around and says that my values are X, Y and Z, and they're working under somebody who might have value A, B and C, do you believe that that will work inside of most organizations or is that somebody who needs to be reassigned to someone else?
1: Typically that's someone who should be reassigned to somebody else because there is that you know, there's the old adage that people leave managers, not organizations. And I believe that to be true to an, to an extent, right? And you can have, and I've had this happen as a leader myself where I've had leaders working for me that I've identified they're really skilled but their time with me has come to an end I either can't teach them anymore so they're not being stretched to their full capacity and we do better under somebody else's leadership or we're so far apart in how we lead or our value system That that they either can't work for the organization anymore or they can't work for me anymore. And I've seen leaders go work for somebody else and have completely blossomed under a different leadership style. And I've taken on leaders and employees who have blossomed under my leadership style where they were struggling under somebody else's. And I think that is very true in every organization because in the four that I've been a part of, that that has been true. Um, And... And that's okay. That conversation and being open as a leader to being humble enough to say, this person has a ton of potential, but I'm not the one getting it out of them right now. So, therefore, you as a leader, I think that your skill sets would be better matched with them to be able to help pull out that, that potential that I see in them. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's just, you know, the leader isn't the person right fit for the organization. And that's okay too, right? It doesn't make them a bad person. Just not everybody's cut out to fit into every industry or every organization, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen quite a bit. I've experienced it myself. I've been humble enough as a leader myself to say, this person, like I said, this person has a ton of skills. I just can't get that out of them. I think that they'd be better fit with you. And that is a perfectly acceptable uh, response to someone who might be struggling, in my opinion.
0: Okay, So let me ask you this. It's really simple or really easy for a leader to approach an employee team member and say, hey, you need to improve this and coaching, whatever, you know, just using that as an example. If an employee determines that maybe their direct leader, supervisor, manager needs some improved skill sets, what would you say from a line level person? How should they approach that? How is that conversation or should they even try to have that conversation?
1: Oh yeah. I believe that the employee should try to have the conversation first before anybody else intervenes. Right. And that's, I think that's really important to one improve the employee and manager relationship, but I think it's critical for leaders to cultivate an environment where employees feel comfortable giving that feedback you have to be humble enough, especially when you get to a certain level in leadership, you have to be humble enough to be able to learn from those around you because often they're your best teachers because they see you and interact with you on a daily basis versus your direct supervisor. As I said earlier, you might see them once a month or you might see them once a quarter. They're not interacting with you every day. They don't see and hear your leadership style versus your direct employees do. So I think that's a really important conversation for the employee to feel comfortable having Now, there might be some extreme cases where the leader's values are so far off that that employee fears retaliation, so they're not comfortable giving that feedback. That's a different story, right? But let's say the leader is a good leader and they have genuinely good intentions for wanting to lead the team and drive the experience of the employee, then that's a conversation that an employee should feel comfortable having, and it could be casual. Hey. I'd like to go out for coffee and just spend some time talking to you for a minute. Or it could be, I prefer, I'd like to have some time set aside in my next check-in or one-on-one to be able to provide you some feedback. And if the leader is open enough, which they should be, that conversation should be received from the leader with full positivity. Hey Jay, I really appreciate you taking some time out to give me some feedback and ta- take that feedback and respond. Now, the only thing worse then not having an environment that's inclusive of giving and getting feedback is once you get the feedback as a leader, if you do nothing about it. And there can be times when the leader can say, listen, Jay, I really understand what you're saying. I really appreciate your feedback. I want you to look at it from a different perspective because maybe it's something that the leader feels that that they shouldn't change. And it's maybe just the employee's misunderstanding of what that leadership style or skill or um, characteristic is or is not. Or, hey, Jay, I really appreciate you giving me that feedback. I'm going to work to do better. A good example of this is communication, right? So every time I take over a new team or I build a team, one of the first questions that I ask in the discovery um, one-on-one with the leadership team that I take on is asking them questions around who they are, what they expect out of me as their leader, and a big one is communication. What's your communication preference? What's your communication style? Right? I've, I've had 15 managers reporting to me at one time. One of them likes me to call them. One of them doesn't want me to call them, right? One of them wants me to send them a text message. Understanding communication is a really important, um, it's, it's really important in my opinion, and one that we fail at often as leaders. But let's say you're sitting with someone and they say, um, they say, I, I want you to start calling me more. I don't hear from you often enough. That's one where the leader can say, you know, what, Jay, I really appreciate giving me that feedback. How often would you like to hear from me? I would like to hear from you every day, twice a day. Well, it's probably not realistic, right? <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because I have fifteen of you, right? And here's the other things I have on my plate. How about we settle on? I can we can have a formal discussion once you know, once every two days. And if there's something in between, you can call me. Great. And they come up with a compromise that way, right? Or if it's, you know what? I haven't heard from you in a month. I'd like to hear from you more frequently. Great, let's talk about what that looks like. And the leader has to compromise at that point, right? So I think that there's, um, I think it helps that employee and the manager relationship if it comes from the employee first.
0: Now, do you feel that the employee might actually be afraid to do that because a review season might be around the corner, and that could affect potentially their raise?
1: Um, I've never dealt with that, and I've never dealt with that coming across at review time because it's either the relationship between the manager and the employee is just it's okay, it's not volatile by any means. The employee's just unsure. If they have the opportunity to go and give the feedback and they just need a little bit of encouragement to do so right the relationship is okay it's not great it's not bad it's just okay they just need a little bit of a push or it's the opposite and the relationship is so volatile that the employee fears retaliation regardless of the time of year i've never found time of year when i say i've never experienced i've never found time of year uh to play a part it's either like I said, the relationship is so volatile, the employee wouldn't feel comfortable regardless of the time of year, or they just need a little bit of a push to understand that it's a safe environment for them to give the feedback. Okay.
0: Well, Angie, if our listeners wanted to know more about you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, they could, LinkedIn has, has been my primary platform right now. My website is currently uh, being built, so it'll be Angie at, uh, my email is Angie at com. Angie, um, IE. B as boy.com. Um, so they can email me there. Find me on LinkedIn at Angie Bruin. Um, and then my website will be Angie
0: B okay, We'll definitely inside. put a, we'll definitely put a LinkedIn marker here on the podcast itself. And then we'll actually put it onto our website at safety FM. That way you can actually just come on there and actually click on the link. And it'll take you either directly to LinkedIn or to her email address. Well, Angie, I do appreciate you coming on today onto safety FM.